Good evening, everyone. It's great to have you with us and to the people watching at home on Facebook. Uh, tonight, it's exciting because we have children's ministry starting in our evening service. Isn't that cool? Uh, so if you're here tonight and you're in the primary age group, uh, Ange Brennan and her team out there are going to be looking after you tonight. So feel free to head out there and uh, join in on the team out there. All right. Uh, the other thing I want to say, just as I'm kicking off, Bernie and I, we're here on Wednesday night, and uh, we were just so blessed by the worship team who actually were leading us tonight. That's actually our youth worship team, and they were down here on the floor leading an amazing worship night here on Wednesday night. And uh, whoo, come on, there they are back there. <laughs> uh, and we were just we were just so blessed. And as both of us were ex-youth pastors, we sat there and we sort of thought to ourselves, this is exactly what we wanted God to do among our young people. And so we're just really blessed by that. So awesome team. Very cool to have you lead us tonight as well. And didn't they do well? Yeah, very cool. Well, uh, tonight we kick off a brand new series uh, in what we call the Psalter or the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are something of a, uh, I think a bit of an enigma in the churches and, and we, we don't spend much time there because we, we struggle to understand them. Um, I'm someone who um, deep down uh, is not very creative. Okay, that's my confession to you this evening. Not very creative. I'm not someone who writes poetry or uh, comes up with uh, amazing words, but the Psalms do. And I wanted us to take a little bit of a journey in the Psalms, uh, or what we're calling the Psalter, uh, just to get a little bit of a perspective of a different part of Scripture, uh, a place in which God wants to speak to us also. And as we open the Psalms, we, we do it with, I think, um, a different set of eyes. Okay, We've got to use a different set of lenses. Um, and why do I say that? It's not like um, other parts of the Bible, maybe in the New Testament where we get Paul's letters and we unpack them uh, exegetically. All right, who knows what that word means? No hands. All right, uh, that means <laughs> digging deep into some of the, the social um, elements that were there, some of the historical significance, these sorts of things. One of the things we do with the Psalms is we allow the Psalms to speak to us and give us words that we don't have. In fact, uh, there's this amazing guy called uh, John D. Goldengay, and uh, he, oh, that's the first one. I'll go to the next one. He said this. He said, the Psalms make it possible to say things that are otherwise unsayable. How many of you have read a Psalm and you've just said, man, that is spot on. That, that is actually speaking exactly to me at that moment. This is what the Psalms do for us. Um, a couple of years ago, I watched uh, a wee video and it had, who remembers the band U2? Yeah, a few U2 fans in here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, am I that old? And there'd be people in here like, what's U2, bro? Um, but Bono, the lead singer of U2, um, who professes Christian faith, he had this conversation uh, with Eugene Peterson, the writer of the message paraphrase of the Bible. And uh, him and Eugene uh, sat down together. It's about a 20-minute long video. You can find it on YouTube. Just, just Google that. And, uh, and he has this sit down. He goes out to his lake house in Montana and, and sits down and talks with him about the Psalms. It's a fantastic 20-minute video. So I encourage you over the series, uh, go, and, go and have a watch of that. But anyway, one of the amazing lines that Bono says in there, uh, actually, no, it wasn't Bono. It was um, Eugene Peterson. He says... The Psalms teach us how to cuss without cussing. 
Isn't that cool? Teaches us how to cuss without cussing. And amongst many other cool things in there, U2 wrote their song 40 based off Psalm 40. Okay, so uh, the Psalms have always been this place in which people go to to be enriched, to be drawn deeper into who God is. And there's so much about it that uh, we could spend time reflecting on. Uh, It leads us in prayers, there's songs, there's poetry uh, that express the highs and lows of life, as I say, that words can't do for ourselves. Um, There's familiar language and images that bring things to life for us uh, and that resonate with who we are. And I'm someone, uh, even though I'm a low emotional processor, who really enjoys and appreciates those that are able to creatively and poetically bring things to life for us. Um, You know, a powerfully emotive song. Some of those songs we're singing tonight just have some amazing phrases in it that just lead us into that place where we just honour God and and our hearts are just open to Him. Uh, But more than music, something like... Uh, how many of you have been, I, I saw a great video today, I'm going to talk about it in a second, um, uh, huckers. who's been in front of a hucker and just felt your, your heart just sore? Uh, maybe it's just a Māori thing, but for me, um, when I left um, my last church, my youth pastor just did the solo hucker right in the middle of the church and everyone just dead silent and both him and I just tears coming down. It was speaking about um, honour and respect and, and love for um, our time together uh, as colleagues, but Haka does that too, doesn't it? It just ooh, it brings brings to life. And I saw one this uh, yes, just today. Uh, Michael showed me the one that you fellas did for him. Where's Dan? Dan, oh, they're at the back. Hidden. Oh, Dan, you guys, you guys did for him at his wedding. Oh, oh, that was good. Um, even just it's, it's, maybe it's just the Maori thing in me that just it just swells your heart, and it speaks of something that words. Oh, not there. There's words in Hucker, of course, but the action, the passion, it just, it drives something in us. Psalms are like that for us. Okay, and there's this other amazing uh, guy in the, uh, oh, hang on, I've jumped ahead of my notes. No, not yet. Too fast, Rob. Too fast. Slow down. <laughs> um, a few weeks back, we were in Colossians. And I used this analogy of uh, the company that did uh, yellow um, and they tried to get a flavour for yellow, right? And isn't it funny with when you think about that, um, that none of us at that point thought about yellow as being a savoury flavour, yeah? All of us thought about yellow as being something sweet. I wonder why that is. Because when we think about that colour, it evokes something inside us that's a little bit different, doesn't it? None of you said, mmm, yellow, pickled radish. No one said, mmm, mustard. No, still yellow colours, aren't they? That's not something we're used to describe yellow. We say, you know, sunshine on the skin. I had this guy uh, who was (laughs) uh, at my youth pastor's course about a few years ago, um, and he, uh, he had this amazing way of describing something. So this picture here. I want you to take just a minute, okay? And I want you to just think in your mind how you would describe that picture, okay? And this will just show you some of the creative minds in the room. Just take a minute, reflect on that picture. Just a plain white candle, okay? Just take a moment. What do you see? It's good. I can hear some murmuring. I'll tell you what I saw. Light is pretty, there you go. 
what I saw was in this youth pastors course because there was uh, how many of you done Myers Briggs? Quite a few of you, yeah. Well, that youth pastors are generally ENFPs, you know, feeling unstructured extroverts. I'm an ESTJ. There was 14 of them in this corner and me over in this corner and they told us to describe this. You know what I described this as? It was actually just a white candle like this on a white plate. What did I write? White candle, white plate, on fire. That's what I wrote. I was like, describe that. I was like, I'm describing that. Okay. This guy, (laughs) this guy had written, I'm not joking you, he'd written three pages. He'd written three pages. He'd written about dragons and flames and, you know, the eternal fire, lava. I was just like, bro, you shouldn't be a youth pastor. (laughs) From that kind of picture, right? Why did he do that? Because when he looked at that, it evoked something in him. It brought to life something in him that just transformed the way he looked at it. There's a creative element in all of us that does that. The Psalms lead us into that place to be able to look upon something and see more than that is there. Uh, The Psalms, in a lot of ways, give us the ability to tell someone what what yellow tastes like. Um, It tells us how to explain that, possibly even to a blind person. All of these kind of elements, it tells us how to do this. I love the Psalms because of that. Um, they use metaphor, they use poetry. Any poetry fans in the room? I had an amazing lady at my last church and every time we had a a big event coming up, I'd ask her, would you write a piece of poetry? In fact, I used a piece of that poetry she wrote on the day of the Christchurch massacre. I used that here at the church. She'd written it and she'd, she'd put it up. Some people have an amazing way of conveying what is inside us through their words. The Psalms are formed in such a way through Hebrew poetry and all the different ways in which they put that together to do exactly that, to help lead us in our reflection. And they're used to provoke our senses, to capture the heart of the writer in their struggle and in their delight. You know, sometimes we we think um, we only need those words when we're really in that dark place, when we're really deep down. But actually, sometimes it'd be great to have just that amazing sentence to praise God with. Amen. That's what I love about that praise and worship. There's a guy in the third century, um, and his name was Athanasius. Who knows Athanasius? One person. One person. He says this. He said, most of Scripture speaks to us the Psalms speak for us. Yeah, you're getting this understanding of what historical Christians understood the Psalms to be. And tonight we're going to share a little resource with you that I got from Tim Keller. He's written a book um, and it's called um, Songs of Jesus. And it's him going through and doing devotionals on all the Psalms uh, throughout Scripture. So even if we do not know precisely what our experiences are, those things that we're feeling um, or our experience was, our, our experience resonates with that human experience that enables us to interpret it. So when the, when the Psalms speak to us, we're getting something of an understanding of the same struggle on the faith journey that people have that are in the same place as us. 
This is what the Psalms give us. And during the course of this series, I hope as we hear from different people, and we're going to have about three or four different people sharing uh, during this series, including the amazing Monica. Here we go. Um, We're going to hopefully hear a little bit of that creativity and hear, hear from them the way that they see Scripture and the way that they hear from the Psalms. Uh, I also want to encourage you over this time uh, to spend your personal meditation space in the Psalms. Okay, and tonight we're going to be starting with Psalm 1, which is an an apt place to start. But I want you to take some time. The Psalms are broken into five different books. Did you know that? Uh, Over the 150, I want you to go and have a look online. There's a a great little um, tool that comes up in um, YouTube uh, called uh, Read Scripture, and that's from the Bible Project. And they just give you an outline of the different books of the Bible. Have a look at the one on the Psalms in there as well as we kick off. Before I read tonight from Psalm 1, let's pray. Lord, it's good to be together to worship Lord, to just sense your love being poured out to us through those songs. And Lord, to sit under your word and to to have that word speak to us and to resonate with us. I pray tonight, uh, even though you're coming through my words, Lord, that your scripture would speak to your people tonight. Father, you would uh, light uh, a lamp to our feet. May your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as Psalm 150 tells us. Lord, may that be true tonight as we open your word together. Amen. Okay, we're going to follow along. Chapter 1, six verses, really short. But chapter 1 actually sets up the way in which we're going to read other Psalms throughout the series. So follow along if you like on the screen or if you have your Bible. You know, dog ear that page. Don't be afraid to draw in your Bible and do those sorts of things. Uh, Here we go. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Sounds straightforward. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff. You know what chaff is? It's that outside of the grain. It's that floaty stuff no one wants. That the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Even just those few words that I've shared with you, you probably picked up a bit of a pattern. There's two halves to this. And tonight I want to focus on the two types of person that the Psalm's talking about, that are being contrasted here. Those who are faithful and those who are faithless. Okay? See, the Psalmist gives us a a really rich picture that that only starts to make sense when we see it, um, uh, when we sit with it for a little while. And too often we're in a hurry to get to the point. Okay, I kind of get the picture there. That's nice. Move on, next Psalm. We've got to sit with that and let let ourselves marinate 
in the Word, all right? Go back over it. How many of you know about cows in the room? You know, they just keep bringing it back and chewing it again and swallow it and then chew it again and go back to it. Yeah, that's a gross analogy that's sitting in your head now, but you're going to think about that when you think about Scripture, all right? It's just this ruminating, this marinating in God's Word. What we have here is an encouragement to picture health and fruitfulness through a metaphor and the actions that are required of us or that we see in, our, in ourselves. And what Psalm 1 does very creatively is contrast the two types of persons very succinctly in just six verses. So verse 1 tells us in a concise little triplet, I'm going to give you three triplets tonight, all right? I know the triplets are in the room. I'm going to give you three triplets tonight, all right? I want you to keep in your mind. Here's the first one. Not that one, this one right here. Don't walk in step with the wicked. Don't stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Three very clear actions of what not to do. Yeah? Are you with me? You're following? Don't walk, stand or sit. Does that mean that we don't associate with anyone? Yeah, Because the first thing that your brain might go to is actually when it says don't stand still, it means I need to disassociate myself from those that live a life contrary to me. I don't think that's what it's saying. Okay, It's not saying that. That's the first place we go to, right? What the psalmist is condemning is the active participation in the things which are contrary to the way of the Lord and Scripture. How often have you found yourself uh, in daily situations walking in step with the wicked? Let me put it in less Christianese terms. How often have you been the douchebag that's driving the car behind the learner license driver, okay, and you're beeping your horn like, get out of the way? Yeah? Yeah. My friend used to put learner plates just on his car so people would stop annoying him. I was like, that's a bad move. That's a bad move. People are still going to beep at you, bro. How many of you have been the ones that have celebrated the catastrophe of an enemy? Yeah? Or what about uh, providing fuel to a gossip chain that's tearing someone apart socially on Facebook or some other thread? See, what the psalmist is talking about is that you are sitting with the wicked in that. You are walking with those who are doing wrong. You are actively participating in the things that are contrary to what Jesus is calling of you. You are actively participating in what is wrong. The psalmist is saying, don't. Don't associate with that kind of stuff. In fact, if anything, you should be the one standing against it. He's not saying exclude yourself and make sure you're not poisoned by those dirty rascals. He's saying, where are you in the midst of that? How often have you, like me, stood idle and not plucked up the courage to take a stand against an injustice, but by your inaction, you chose to stand with those who are acting unjustly? Let's be honest, yeah? It's a few of us, if we're really honest. 
You see, this picture in Psalm 1 isn't just about a them and us mentality. It is an assessment of the kind of Jekyll and Hyde, it's an old school, uh, Jekyll and Hyde nature that sits within us. The evil nature and the godly nature that is growing. Which one are you growing? One of my old pastors used to say, which dog wins? The one that you feed. Yeah, the one that you feed. Um, This picture that is painted for us in these six verses of Psalm 1 sets in our mind the fact that whether you are a Christian or not, there is a faithless and a faithful way that we can live into. Which one are you living into tonight? That's the question I want you to ponder. Blessed is the one who does not participate in the things that contradict the way of life depicted in Scripture. Amen. Oh, no amens. It's tempting to think, well, that guy or girl I know with the, with, the, with the job and with the life and with the money and the what have you is living a blessed life, doesn't it? I think that. You look around and the things that tell us that they're successful or blessed, we sort of go, hmm, that's what the world tells us. That's the blessed life. Because for some reason, we have associated God's blessing with having something more, something monetarily even, um, more than we do right now. The issue is that those people are thinking the same thing about the people further up the tree and further up that tree, and it goes on. There's a perpetual cycle that we get sucked into thinking that we are the lowest on that tree. It's a bit of human nature, isn't it? We're all trying to climb a ladder that may be against the wrong wall. Whereas scripture often depicts the blessed life as one with something different. Matthew 5 is a good example. The Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. (laughs) Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who are meek, who are merciful, who are peacemakers, Doesn't sound like blessed to me. Sounds like hard work. See, the picture I sense Psalm 1 forming in us is twofold. It's not one of them and us, the faithless and the uh, faithful. It's one life with two distinct paths, one which is often fallen into, the other that is lived into faithfully. I want to encourage you tonight. Scriptures are telling us to live faithfully into a different way of life that often contrasts the values and the value systems we find ourselves in. All right, that's enough of that one. Um, Let's turn the page. Blessed is the one who does not participate in the things but whose delight is in something else. This is where we get into our second triplet. I want to settle with you this evening these three words. Priority, position, and purpose. Priority, position, and purpose. Priority. So where is the delight? Psalm 1 tells us it's in the law. For the writer of the psalm, it would have been just the the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. 
and some of the Psalms would have existed then. That was where their delight was to be. But there is delight in there. It says, delight yourself in these things and more delight will come. It was scripture. For us today, it's the entire work of scripture. The New Testament included. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Verse two reads, blessed are those whose delight, great word, is in the word and who meditates on his law. A blessed life prioritizes Scripture. Why? Well, let's read. I've got a couple of couple of examples here where Scripture talks about itself. First one, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproofing, for correction, for training in righteousness. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What about this? This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good, you will have good success. And Joshua 1.8. And the last one, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love that. I love that. It talks about what happens when we prioritize scripture in our life. And isn't it funny that in the Psalms, in the very first Psalm, it's telling us how to prioritize this very thing. Um, I don't know how you guys spend time in Scripture and spend time in your Word, but for me, there's a number of ways. A classic way, obviously, we get these every month or every couple of months, the Word for today. I saw a bunch of people grabbing that. I better promote the uh, the uh, boss's material here. <coughs> Amen. Mm. Uh, this is a great way. You can follow through right here uh, on our studies of the morning services, but I have this little thing here. Okay, and it's called A Guide to Prayer for Ministers and Other Servants. There you go. Uh, the other thing I, I have is this whopping great thing here. It's actually a study Bible and explains verses all the way through. These are just some of the ways you can do it. You can have apps on your phone that ding you every day and tell you to read a little scripture. One of the things I'm trying to teach you here is make scripture a priority. All right, let's move on. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the Psalms is the imagery and the metaphor that's used. And the why of Psalm 1 is wrapped up and summarized in the picture that the person is like a tree. Verse 3, planted by a stream. When you and I prioritize Scripture, the Bible, in our daily lives, worlds change. Our priorities change. Our attitudes are shaped. Our responses to injustice are heightened. Our desire to give of our life, our finances, all these different things in our lives become reorientated. Life comes into those areas. Life comes to the words that we read. And this is also where we must be aware of our position. Okay, so I've done, oh, sorry, our purpose, I should say. No, it's position. I've just jumped forward. 
Good one, Rob. Putting a priority on Scripture and Jesus' teaching will determine your position. Okay? Priority on Scripture, your position. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but I, I spent a bit of time at Wahi Beach, and when I was coming from Auckland, we'd come through the Karangahaki Gorge, and all the way through the Karangahaki Gorge, there's these beautiful trees. It's green. How many of you like going through there? Most people cringe because it's too close to the cliff edge. It's one of the most beautiful places in New Zealand that I love going through. And I've been all over New Zealand. It's still one of my favourites. And it's close to home, which is a blessing. But that entire gorge is filled with beauty. Why? Because there is a stream running through it that feeds the life of that place. It's carved all the way through that rock, but everywhere through there is just magnificent. And I've seen it in flood as well. Our position is important. When we're close to those things, life comes. Let me give you another analogy. I love and I have a personal value for mentoring. Uh, in fact, one of my mentors is right here, uh, Dr. John. And one of the things about mentoring is that you've actually got to allow that person to speak some truth into your life. Not just standing alongside people, Okay, and listening to their wisdom, but allowing them to speak into the things that may need some shaping. Okay, you've got to position yourself there on purpose. Okay, you've got to allow that shaping to happen. What the scripture is talking about is a stream that flows and the tree that is planted next to it, its source. What is it drawing from? It's a beautiful metaphor that, in just a few verses, we understand something about being positioned well. Ian Foster, um, he said the other day, great players are made. They aren't born that way. I love that. And see, Christians who develop and grow into great spiritual trees as we see them, they aren't born that way. They're made. God shapes them through his scripture. So we've got... Priority of scripture, being in the right position. And lastly, it's about purpose. Last year, I had the uh, privilege um, of being able to walk with a principal in my last um, church. We made a decision early on in our planning um, that we would give away 10% of what the church income was. It went well. <laughs> we were able to do a number of different things in the life of our community. And one of them was to partner with uh, the principal down at West Harbour School, Vicky. And so I went down to Vicky and I just said, hey, Vicky, uh, we as a church up here would love to work with you. We're already doing some things in the school. What can we do to enhance the life of the community in your school? And uh, she, was, she was pretty blown away. Um, she uh, told me that um, in their school, about 40% of the students turn up to school each day without having a solid meal the night before. Uh, more than that, turn up each day without lunch. Um, there's a whole range of things, and we were able to partner with a couple of churches and bring into life something in that school. In fact, um, we ended up helping them build a playground. Um, some of the uh, more... Uh, desperate students were um, given backpacks with stationery, their full stationery supplies for the year. Um, the next year they were able to give shoes. One of the things that I sort of posited with Vicky is that, see, the purpose of our church isn't just to 
build and grow lovely, healthy Christians, although that is a very high priority for us. One of the important things for us as a community church was that the community is better off because we're there. You know, I'm not just talking about spiritually better off. Uh, I was talking about actually there's parks that are nicer. In fact, there was a, one, of, one of our community churches would go around every weekend and they'd just collect rubbish to make our streets more beautiful. And I said to Vicky, actually, one of the things that I really wanted to make a high priority was that the school itself would be a place. It was a decile one school. You know, mostly Māori Pacifica kids would go in there and it was, it was run down. We, we did a painting project with them. I said, I want to make West Harbour School a school that people want to go to because they see in it life. They see in it growing kids. They see a community that's partnering with it. That's our purpose. You see, when we allow the priority of Scripture to transform us, when we allow our position amongst people who, who grow us, but also placing ourselves in the stream of what God is doing, your purpose becomes pretty clear. It becomes pretty clear cut. So those are our three triplets, walking, standing, sitting. Priority, position, purpose. Here's the third one and final one. And we're going to invite the band to come as I close with this. I talked about Tim Keller uh, earlier on and his book, Jesus Stories. And uh, on your way out tonight, I'm giving you your third triplet. Uh, if you want to grab one uh, at the door, Dawn and the team will give you one. Uh, but the three words that are on there, uh, I have actually up on the screen for you. The three words that have helped me uh, spend time uh, in a deeper way in the Psalms. And they come from Tim Keller and they are adore, admit, and aspire. I want to encourage you to grab one of these on your way out and put it in your Bible in the Psalms. And each time you read a Psalm, I want you to think about these words. Adore, what did you learn about God for which you could praise or thank Him? Pretty simple really, eh? But it just develops that heart of thankfulness for what God's doing among us. The second one is admit. What did you learn about yourself for which you could repent? Tonight, maybe Psalm 1 has done that for you. Maybe there's something within you that needs to think about where Scripture's priority is in your life, your position, maybe that purpose that's lacking. And number three, aspire. What did you learn about life that you could aspire to ask for or act on, okay? Three really simple things written on a bookmark, which I want you to grab on your way out tonight. Would you stand with me as I close in prayer? Lord, we're so thankful for your scripture and how it speaks to us. We just give thanks tonight that from the Psalms, we're gonna dwell deeply and richly in words that uh, people have over the centuries forged for us to be our song, to be our poem, to be our lament, to be our confession. May we have open hearts and open minds to what you want to say as we, as we journey in the Psalms. May we be open to being led. May we be open to making Scripture a priority and position ourselves to hear it. We ask your blessing, Lord, as we reflect and take this time together. 
In Jesus' name, amen.